Today, we'll discuss Steve Clifford and the first half assessment. Is there a chance that he has a one and done year in a second stint with Charlotte? Then we'll discuss the rotation if it hits tank time this season. All today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can see me, Walker Mail. You can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail and on WFNZ 92.7 FM from 12 to 3. If you're watching YouTube, you can also see my partner, Doug Branson. He's been standing up lately. He's been bringing the fire lately. You can find a Substack. Every Hornets box score on every Hornets box score.com. You've been sticking with the standing up, by the way. I haven't seen you sit down ever since you started, baby. You can't keep yourself down. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's good for your health. Uh, I think it's good for my mentality in the show. I'm ready to attack. Someone said someone commented on our last video that they liked our back and forth. And, you know, that's that's part of the back and forth is me standing, getting the blood pumping, ready to attack your bad takes. <laughs> and I'm just the mellow. I'm Walker Mellow, trying to make sure that everybody's just <laughs> chilling out as much. And that's why we balance each other, Doug. This is why we're on the Lockdown Hornets podcast together. And we appreciate everybody for making us their first listen. I wanted to discuss Steve Clifford. We did the whole midway point thing yesterday and kind of made some second half predictions and looked into the first 41 games. We didn't really do that with Steve Clifford. And with Steve Clifford, this is someone that came over the second time to be the head coach amidst all the chaos. We had Kenny Atkinson. He was the coach for two weeks, then decided to stick with Golden State and all across the country didn't want to didn't want to make that trip with his family to Charlotte. And then we thought, well, all right, since we had Mike D'Antoni in the mix, 50 win D'Antoni, you might call him. You had aye, aye. You had Terry Stotts. You had experienced coaches that clearly Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchak wanted to go to, but you had some assistants that were also pretty tantalizing. All right, well, who's going to be the next guy? What? Wait, what? Steve Clifford again? Is this 2016? So Steve Clifford comes aboard, and he discusses in the coach, coach's luncheon how he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. He did not want to do that. And how you have to have playoff success as a head coach in order to be measured as anything in this league, in order to be put up with not only just the greats, but to be considered a good coach, you have to have playoff success. And we have the one 2015-16 playoff series where they battled the Miami Heat in seven games and eventually they fall out of favor. That was it. That's as far as Steve Clifford has gone in the postseason. We know maybe partly because of Steve Clifford, but in my opinion, mostly it's been the crazy amount of injuries that have happened in the first 41 games. It's been the chaos that is not having your roster with, especially miles bridges arrested for felony domestic violence right before you hit free agency. And then the front office freezes and they don't know what to do. You haven't had any chemistry being able to be developed. And so it doesn't mean that I think Steve Clifford is this top half coach. That's been amazing. I just think it's been really hard to evaluate him. My question is Doug, Mm -hmm. Do you think even with it being so difficult to evaluate a first half for Steve Clifford, does that matter? And the, well, we'll still give him a second season here with Charlotte. And what are the real chances that he's actually out and you bring in a new head coach again this offseason? Well, I certainly think that there's a chance because so much is changing right now and you're not winning. And so anytime as a team that you're not winning, 
uh, there's a chance for a coaching change, even with all of the context around injuries. But I think what makes this even more interesting is if they if things get really bad, and and they do tear this thing down to to go after Webinyama, then all of the calculus changes, right? Because then you're talking about who do you want? You know, if they get the first or the second pick, who do you want? You know, shepherding that new era with that player that you think is going to turn your franchise around alongside Lamelo Ball. Uh, Lamelo Ball obviously has something to do with this as well. Now, Ball has been effusive with his praise of Steve Clifford in the past, Walker, but we haven't really heard a ton from Lamelo in terms of Steve Clifford or the game plan or anything like that in some of these post games, even the post games that he's involved in where he comes out and speaks. He hasn't really talked a ton about the game plan or how he feels. We know other players have. In fact, after this latest loss to the Toronto Raptors, both Terry Rozier and Cody Martin, if you look at the quotes from Rod Boone's write-up in the Charlotte Observer, both of those players basically said, the coach has a great game plan. We're not following it. And I think in a season where there's been a lot of losing and, and a lot of context around that losing in terms of injuries – The one thing that you can judge a coach on is, is he keeping the roster together? Is he offering good game plans that players are buying into, at least in in spirit? Maybe they're not executing it, but they still believe in the game plan. And so far, he's passed that test. But it's just too early to say whether or not they will choose to retain him because there's so many variables at this point. I wondered how much the direction of the franchise matters. And it sounds ridiculous to ask that because you might say, of course, you know, the direction of the franchise absolutely matters. And if you retain Steve Clifford, but there are arguments to be made for both sides, both different ways, retaining him or not. If you decide to rebuild altogether, you might just decide to go with the classic. I mean, we've seen this a lot in the NFL, but if you just do the whole rebuild thing, you go new coach, maybe you decide to go an assistant coach, up and comer, right? We've, we've, we saw some of those guys in the mix, Sean Sweeney from Dallas, David Vanderpool. We've seen that before. Or you could decide to go with Steve Clifford to provide some stability. If you don't decide to do the whole rebuild thing, let's say you don't trade Terry Rozier, you keep Gordon Hayward the last year of his contract, and then you're just banking on doing a very, very, very light version. And I can't stress light enough very light version of what Golden State did when they just had a whole bunch of injuries and then ended up with the second overall pick. Maybe you're just banking. Maybe you're just banking on that. And then you keep Steve Clifford or maybe proved enough to you. And then you decide to move on. Like there are so many different routes, as I mentioned yesterday, that you could take not only this offseason personnel decision wise, but also just with the head coach. I don't know what you're going to do. So that's one way to look at it. That's that's a huge that's I'll say that if they decide to go that route and hold on to all of these pieces and essentially roll the dice that they're going to be bad enough anyway, even with all of these injuries, because when you bring in a new coach, that new coach is trying to install a new system and and trying to install some defensive accountability. That's what they wanted Steve Clifford to do. But to do that, that has to happen in the that has to happen in the offseason. That has to happen in training camp when you have opportunities to practice. That's the issue right now. Like the players understand what the right thing to do is. It's just really difficult to get out of all of those bad habits when you've had to really throw out all of the game plans at the beginning of the season because of all of the injuries and figure out new ways to play. And so all of this is snowballed on them, right? So the organization, yeah, you're right. They could take that chance and say, well, they're, they're not going to pull it all together so we could keep all of these players, not have to sacrifice anything, and still end up with an opportunity, you know, one of those 14.5% chances at the number mm-hmm. one pick. 
But that's a big risk, Walker. And I'll tell you why. Because the players still believe in Steve Clifford. And Steve Clifford is a good coach and has proven in the past that he's able to get players to do things that they haven't normally done before. And so I would be scared. that. Cl- that's why I keep saying, take the keys away from Clifford. Don't, you know, don't allow him... Uh, to to drive this car well, like you got to take the you got to take the keys away so that he doesn't actually start you know winning games and you end up in a Panthers situation where you you know you were in line for a big pick that could have changed your franchise. You start winning a few games, well now you got to eject the coach and you don't have a great draft pick. Yeah, and, and just as far as the assessment goes with Steve, you know, kind of looking into the scheme and whatever, some of the numbers that are behind the Hornets, again, it's tough to evaluate because you haven't had LaMelo the whole season. You've missed out on Gordon Hayward, which probably should be expected at this point. Kelly Oubre, too, right? We already know that whole shindig. But when you look at the first half, you know, we, we've talked about the Hornets getting open shots. They're actually taking some higher quality shots compared to the other teams in the NBA and they're just not hitting them, which goes and speaks to the shooting problem. And even with the offense, maybe not looking as organized as it did last year. So much of that is because LaMelo was playing the entire season and the offense, while you still have problems offensively, right? I mean, I think they're still ranked towards the bottom in the Mm -hmm. NBA offensively. Mm -hmm. And that is with LaMelo. LaMelo is not being as efficient as he was last season when he's playing. And I think that's having a huge impact, but you are getting some of the more open shots still. Um, yeah. I, I wonder that with Steve, if you, if you believe in, in what he's preaching, even offensively, because we know defensively he's gathering enough respect around the league to where if the players apply what Steve Clifford wants to do, then they're going to be maxed out on that end of the floor or close to it. But offensively, do you believe in the right shots that they're taking? And hopefully they just start getting knocked down. And then the Cody Martin comment where they seem to believe, at least they're telling us, that if we just do what Steve is telling us, then maybe we can turn this thing around. But they haven't done it yet, which also speaks to a head coach and how much you believe in them. Yeah, and a lot of these players right now are starting to look a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, Mark Williams, for sure. Uh, has uh, looked a lot better. Terry Rozier is starting to pick it up. Jalen McDaniels is picking it up in, in Gordon Hayward's absence. Uh, I, I think he helped Kelly Oubre turn into a, a better, more useful version of Kelly Oubre. Maybe not as offensively efficient, but again, when you don't have LaMelo out on the floor, it's difficult to to maximize what you're getting out of some of these other pieces so, but but he turned him into a player that actually is more useful and defensively uh, more uh, of a useful tool for sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that, again that's what you judge a coach on. Can can they maximize the strengths of the players that they have? And I think Clifford's been able to do that. And I think the system offensively, Clifford has always been known as a guy going back to Kimball Walker that says, "All right, you're my point guard." I trust you. I'm going to allow you to do the things that you do well. And I think he's done that with LaMelo. And, you know, the the offensive issues, I, I think, have been, you know, the fact that you have guys that were typically shooting well last season that haven't shot the basketball particularly well. LaMelo's not finishing well enough at the rim. They're not getting out into transition enough. And some of these teams have sort of figured out that, hey, if you don't, if you keep the Hornets off the offensive boards, you can really limit what they can do offensively. Um, so all, all of that's come together to really still keep those offensive numbers down. They have to figure that out.
Yeah, they certainly do. Or they just might be finding themselves tanking the second half of the season. And if that happens, we'll ask this question coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. How does the rotation change if it does indeed become tank time? Do you pick LaMelo spots more carefully? James Booknight, JT Thor, Kai Jones, will they just get a ton of minutes? We'll discuss that in the next segment. I don't know what this new music is, but it is throwing me for a loop. Is this on purpose? Just just on purpose, baby. Just roll with it. We're just grooving. Grooving into the break. (laughs) Okay. It's the first time I've ever heard it. And uh, the first time, the first ad that we'll read for this particular music that's playing it's going to go to Built Bar. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier after all the snacks and goodies that we ate over the holiday season. If you're like me, if you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise the taste, then you got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you because they kind of taste like a candy bar, but they're high in protein, they're high in fiber, they're low in sugar, they're low in calories, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. The coconut Mm. variations are fantastic. Now, you Mm. don't need to wait around and get a box either for years. They've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, that really being the only way you can get them. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Stam's Club, so you can buy them in bulk. Yeah, 13 bars come in one of those boxes, and I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box with the hit flavors, brownie batter, churro, coconut variations, and you can thank me later. Hornets rotation questions coming up next. Locked on Hornets. Is Locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we need to get out of here? Okay, here's the thing. I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off. And I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your second listen game to game NBA. They dissect every single contest throughout the association, a part of Locked On NBA, the show you can only find on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Doug, the rotation. We've seen LaMelo Ball come in, and he's affected a lot of the play from his his colleagues. We know that a lot of players have been – seeing an uptick in their production when LaMelo's come onto the floor. And we can talk about that a little bit more in the third segment. You know, we'll go a little bit uh, of Stangin' or Clangin' because we can apply that title. Well, we can can apply that title to so many different games. I wanted to do Deal or No Deal. And then you said, well, you know, we can call it Stangin' or Clangin'. And then I wanted to go through a rapid No, fire I didn't session. say we could. I said we should because everybody does deal or no deal. That's not our show. We don't just pick up on the cliche. That I mean, it doesn't even air anymore. Does that show even come on anymore, deal or no deal? Like, get out You're of here. The guy from me. Bobby's World we hosted. This, we did this on WFNZ yesterday. I don't hear deal or no deal being done anywhere. Please. Why are you? I don't know. You're you're destroying no, me no, with that. We got to be but, a ridge here. So we got to go stay. Is it stanging or is it clanging? So, so if it's stanging or clanging, we apply that to the deal or no deal concept game. And then I wanted to go through a rapid fire session of players who have benefited or 
maybe not benefited as much with LaMelo's return. And you said, I know we should call it staying in or clanging. <laughs> it just, works. Any game, any game. It doesn't matter. Staying in or clanging. That's what we're working with. We can get to that in the third segment. I do want to discuss how the rotation would change if they decide to tank. So let's say, you know, we can do a, a couple of different hypotheticals. If they trade Gordon Hayward, if they trade Terry Rozier, or if they just are hurt and you're not playing them, I don't know what would happen to Terry. We know Gordon Hayward is hurt all the time. So maybe if they're hurt and then you decide to uptick the minutes for James Booknight, Kai Jones, JT Thor, how would that look, especially revolving around LaMelo, your star? You want to put the whole butts in the seats type thing at the Spectrum Center. And so people want to see LaMelo. You also don't want him to get hurt or be exposed out there with worse basketball players. How do you handle all of that? Well, I think you you don't let your pieces that you feel like are going to be part of the future of your organization, you don't let those players play through any injuries but I think it would be a big mistake to limit them in some kind of, especially young players. Like if we're talking about older players, then, you know, yeah, occasionally they may end up on the DNP, you know, broken thumbnail kind of situation. But that's that you don't do that with young players. Like every time the LaMelo ball steps on the floor, it's an opportunity for him to learn something. Uh, despite getting the all-star bid, his game is not complete. Uh, he came in with a huge head start in terms of his instincts and ability to uh, uh, to play, especially on the offensive end of the floor. But his game is not complete. He's got opportunities to learn every time he plays. So, so I think yes, you play him if he if he suffers any kind of injury. You manage that differently than you would if you were actually trying trying to win basketball games. But you absolutely have to play him unless it's a blowout. You know, that's that's the big thing for me is if it's the fourth quarter and you're down by 20, no, no PJ, no LaMelo, nothing like that. That That's when you do protect them a little bit. Well, and I know you absolutely play him. I, I don't think many fans, you know, would assume that playing uh, playing other guys over LaMelo is the right decision, even if it goes to tank time. But do you pick your spots a little more carefully, though, Doug, or do you just let him run? You know, he ran 38 minutes against Toronto. Do you go those same 38 minutes? Do you go different lineups around them? I mean, do you pick your spots more carefully, I should say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you do adjust the minutes somewhat, right? I mean, you don't want to play him uh, you know, major, major minutes that you – again, it's all about your mentality at that point. Like, are you trying to do rotations such to win basketball games or are you trying to do them such to develop players, see what you got – but you want to play LaMelo because, as we've talked about all episode, LaMelo makes other players better. It's one of the most fantastic parts of his game right now, his his ability to deliver passes on time, on target, and, and in spaces that other players you know, can't make those passes and put them in positions where they have a little bit more space to knock down shots or get to the rim. And so if you want a better look at Kai, you, you got to see him with LaMelo. If you want a better look at James Booknight, Although, boy, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting some like weird reports about James Booknight and his time uh, in Greensboro. Maybe they're not. I don't, I don't know if they're like starting him anymore. Like maybe he's on the bench in Greensboro. Like, oh, boy, this Booknight situation just doesn't seem to be getting any better. No, it does not. And so if you decide to play James Booknight, you're right, though. LaMelo, that's the problem. You don't necessarily want him to be. 
I mean, you do want him to be the key that unlocks everybody else, but you would hate to have to rely on him in order to give us the best evaluation possible of the younger players, right? And you don't want to come that to come at the expense of putting him necessarily in harm's way, whether that be putting him on the court more for injury's sake or putting him on the court and at the detriment of his numbers, right? Because if his numbers hurt, he's not getting the same assist and the team, the on-off numbers aren't as good because he's starting to play with younger players. You know, that starts to affect what LaMelo is perceived as possibly when, when people don't watch the games. They check basketball reference. They look at some of the advanced stats, some of the traditional stats. And so I wonder if, one, even Steve Clifford cares about that. And also, you know, maybe how much LaMelo, his party, whatever, how much they care about it either. And are you concerned that LaMelo Ball seems to be pressing right now on the offensive end, right? Trying mm-hmm. to win basketball games for his team. And, oh, he's and taking doing... 15 threes with Kai and Book Knight. And yeah, he's. Yeah, he's so does he press even more? Three. Does he fall back into some, fall back even further into some of the bad habits, is one way to phrase it. Uh, that that he's had on the offensive end of the floor, does he fall even further into those and and cement those to where mm-hmm. Steve Clifford or another coach is going to be unable um, to to break those and and because that's that's been my concern from day one, which is why which is why this past off past off season frustrated me so much was that do something get good players around Lamelo right now, allow him to be the best version of Lamelo, which is. On, on a good roster because I think he is going to sort of get into that mentality of like, all right, well, it's all on me. And and I think that's dangerous for really any young player to feel that way, especially one that has so much of that like raw instinct and talent that LaMelo possesses. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so important to get players around him that are going to knock down shots, help, help him so he doesn't feel like he has to press all the time. Well, and, and maybe, you know, it, it's funny because we – criticize the front office quite a bit and maybe you know some more than others for bringing in Gordon Hayward at 30 million dollars a year for you know signing Terry Rozier and a lot of people love the Terry signing but I think the idea was about LaMelo Ball being surrounded by some of the veterans right like and so you know not only just for the future and trying to win but it was in order to make LaMelo better I know that was kind of a thought process hey look you, you got this young point guard you know, you're bringing in Gordon Hayward. You're bringing in Terry Rozier. We're going to try to allow these young players to develop alongside LaMelo. And this is a better situation than if we had not signed Gordon Hayward. If we had not, you know, inked Terry Rozier for a longer term deal that kicks in this season. Bringing in Mason Plumley as a center to help Nick Richards, Vernon Carey until we trade him out. Montrez Harrell pick and roll, right? Like, you know, that that's something that the front office may have been trying to do this whole time. And this is wild speculation, honestly, Walker, because we simply don't know because this is uncharted territory. We don't know how Steve Clifford as a coach would operate in that kind of environment. It's been a long time since he's helmed a Charlotte team that is this bad. And, and, but that, but even those Bobcats teams didn't feature major talent like LaMelo ball, any, any talent close to a LaMelo ball. So we don't know how he's going to operate. I think it'll be really interesting to watch as we move forward. A lot of questions. Um, Last question here, as far as the rotation goes, do we ask the same question we're asking about LaMelo for any other player? Does PJ Washington fit that bill or do you just play him however you want to? The the veterans are 
a little more interesting just because let, let's say that they are losing a lot still. They're they're in tank mode, but they didn't sell, right? They're just losing because and they still have Terry on the roster. Gordon Hayward is starting to come back from injury and you know maybe there's 30 games left and Gordon is, is available for you. How do you operate with some of the veterans that might be on this roster and even a PJ who you know, you want to sign to a long-term extension, right? Like, I, is there anything to talk about there? Or is it, nah, man, LaMelo is the only one to talk about here because of how special he is. And then you do whatever you damn well please with the other players on the roster. I guess, PJ, maybe if you intended to sign him to a long-term deal, if that, if that's if, if you already have that mindset, if that's already made up. But I don't think that's the case. I don't. I think the organization is still on the fence about that and wanting to see what the market has in store for PJ, then then maybe there's some protection that happens there. In terms of the veterans, like you paid for it. Like, I mean, go go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and get what run you can because both of those players. Well, 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 do you sit them though? Right, like that's the point. Do you sit them to to get a better look? At and the and, and why I would say no because to me it's not a Nick Batum situation with the with the Nick Batum they were already like all right we're going to stretch this guy like the Nick Batum era is completely over and so there's no point in continuing to play him but I, but I don't think even if they decided to keep Terry and Gordon I don't think they would feel that way about either one of those players I think mm-hmm. they would think all right we're, we we need to keep playing Terry and Gordon for that exact reason that we've been talking about is you even if you're going to play book night more book night's going to eat into like DSJ's minutes you know, Kai's going to eat into, I don't know, Mason Plumley's minutes. You know, you go Mark Williams and Kai or something and finally get a look at Kai at five. That would be really interesting because the only look we've gotten at Kai this season really has been at four. And is that fair to Kai to really get that look? We, we need mm-hmm. to see Kai at the five to understand both the strengths and the weaknesses that, that he's got to deal with. But yeah, you got to put good players around some of these young players that you want to get good looks at or otherwise they're not good looks. Yep, 100% agree. And um, the second half of the season, um, I'm Mitch Kupchak, will he do the thing that he has not done in season? This anything. Time? The thing that he has mm-hmm. not done it is anything. It always comes back to do something. <laughs> Just do, do one thing. D- Doug, you need to get a stick from outside and become the meme <laughs> in person because <laughs> that it? it always comes back to do something. Do something. <laughs> that's, that's the analysis from one Doug Branson. You can find it. On his Substack, every Hornets box score, every Hornets I need to make a T-shirt. Make some money. Oh, we do need one. I'd wear it. I'd rep it. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. It's everybody's favorite five, six, seven games. It continues to grow. Staying in or clanging is coming up next. What variation of the game are we going to be playing in the next segment? You'll have to stick around and find out. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools, and you can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
One more segment to go. Locked on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, second game against Toronto, back-to-back. It'll be the first time they do this, but they'll do it a second time against Boston at the Spectrum Center. They'll play on MLK Day, always fun. I believe tip is at 1 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. So no Wesson Walker that day. We're on from 12 to 3, but the Hornets game on MLK Day will be airing on WFNZ in our time slot, so that's fine. We'll gladly step aside for the Hornets to take over the airwaves. I'm going to be at the game to watch them play. So that'll be a lot of fun. Always love matinee basketball. Um, Toronto tonight, a couple games against Boston coming up right after that. Real quickly, before we go to staying in or clanging, is there anything that you wanted to empty out from the previous contest in your notebook um, in the second matchup in a row against the Raptors? Loved what I saw to Mark Williams. He had a couple of really standout plays to me. One was an offensive rebound that he grabbed really out of nowhere. It was like his hands has have like, you know, that fly sticky paper on it. He was just like, whoosh. it looked like a frog tongue. Whoosh. Just grabbing a fly like out Clifford of the Franklin air. Franklin on the replacements. Yeah. It's so great because that's what you want to see. You want to see like really good hands because I think that's something that this Hornets team has been missing. So many of these just devastating offensive rebounds that they've given up and they gave up 18 of them to Toronto in that first matchup. But so many of them, uh, have come from the fact that the Hornets just cannot secure a rebound. And so you want to see a guy be able one. I mean, he did it one-handed, but you know, even one hand, two hands, whatever, just grab the basketball. That's what he did there. And then the other one was a pass. So we're not even talking about a dunk or a dream shake or some of the other stuff that we've seen from him offensively or a block shot that we've seen a lot defensively. No, we're talking about a rebound and a pass. This pass that he made, this little drop-off that he makes to a cutting Dennis Smith Jr., uh, was just amazing. Off the baseline, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, pulled the defense and shot the ball to the corner. P.J. missed it, so it was almost a hockey assist for Mark Williams. But just some of these things that you go, wow, like I'm noticing the great things that he's doing, and I'm not noticing any of the – I'm not really noticing anything that I go, wow, that's not very good at all. That should keep him off the floor, and that's encouraging. Well, yeah, and, and another thing real quickly, just kind of tying this back to the first segment, is – Mark Williams, a rookie, is the exact type of player that Steve Clifford has been criticized before in the past, saying, you know, Steve Clifford won't play those guys. Frank Kaminsky played as a rookie. Cody Zeller did. People, you know, defending him might have pointed to some of those players in the past, but also they were the Bobcats slash, you know, first iteration of the Hornets kind of, and they were not nearly as talented. And I guess Kaminsky, Kaminsky was on that playoff team, right? Was that his first year? Was he? I think he was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, anyways, Mark Williams, maybe not playing at the beginning, but playing now, I think that's a nice compromise. And even with this team and the, and the wins not coming the way of the Hornets, yes, maybe you are talking about lack of talent. It's nice to see Mark develop and play, you know, very well, in my opinion. Like, for, even against the Toronto Raptors, the first game, Doug, I was talking to you about this before. 
Nick Richards not getting any minutes, like you're you're seeing a baseline from Mark Williams where we we just don't need to see anybody else come in and replace him. Even with only one made field goal, even if you're only going two of five, two of four, you can see the defense as a factor when guards drive in the paint still, and you're just seeing a nice baseline level. This is cool. And you described it well before we started recording, saying you're not watching him and saying, oh, good God, what was that? You're not seeing that a whole lot from Mark. You're just seeing solid standing in the right spot at the right time, which is really all it takes when you're that big and that size. Yeah, it's, it's been nice to see Mark just even after the first wow factor we got against OKC, just give you a nice base level production. Yeah, Frank Kaminsky, his first season was 15 and 16. So it was, that was his rookie year. And he mm-hmm. played 81 games, uh, started, mm-hmm. I think I saw two of them, maybe three of them. Let's see. Older player, I, too. So, you know, maybe that needs to be factored in. Well, older player, and you got to look at the roster, too, right? I mean, they had Al Jefferson at center. Uh, they had Cody Zeller. And so, like, there was prime time for Frank Kaminsky to get, like, a little look. Because it's it's right at the end of the Al Jefferson era. He was on his way out. Uh, was last with, year, with yeah. Yeah, so... You know, I think there was opportunity there for him uh, to get plenty of minutes. Like he had to beat out Spencer Hawes for minutes. So mm-hmm. with this team, you know, you you did you did have a pretty solid. Again, it's not great, but Mason Plumley played well. Nick Richards played well. That's the thing. We would have yeah. seen Mark Williams way earlier had Nick Richards come in and been the Nick Richards that we had seen in previous right. seasons, and yet still an injury opened the door for Mark. And and there are things that Mark does on the floor that I think are keeping Nick Richards off the floor. I don't think it's just Mm -hmm. an issue of like, well, you know, he's playing well. We also have Nick Richards and he's playing well, but Nick, Nick got hurt. So now we're going to play Mark. I think it's a situation where you got to look at Mark and you went, Oh wait, he's good in the pick and roll. Oh wait, he's good at defensive rebounding. And those are two things that are we, and he can pass. And those are three things that are weaknesses Mm -hmm. for Nick Richards, despite the things that he does well. And so I think that's what's keeping Mark Williams on the floor right now and keeping Nick Richards off of it. it and it will get super interesting in this next offseason as you you would think that the team is going to move away from Mason Plumley and, and allow Mark uh, or Nick to start next season. Okay, let's get to your game here, Doug. Stangin' or clanging, uh, the, the category we're going to play and apply this to, it's, it's going to be players that have benefited from LaMelo Ball's return because we had talked so much this season about guys not performing as well as they had in years past because their role changed. Talked about it with PJ Washington having to bear so much responsibility when you don't have LaMelo Ball. Terry Rozier misses some games at the beginning. Gordon Hayward, right? Like we know the responsibility PJ carried. Same thing with maybe even a Dennis Smith Jr. before he got hurt. So we're going to go down the list. Who is stanging since LaMelo's return? and who is clanging since LaMelo's return. So let's start with Terry Rozier. Seems like a pretty easy one here, Doug. Is he staying in or clanging since LaMelo came back? Oh, right now, baby. Terry is on fire. He smuggled the sauce across the border to Toronto. He is stanging. <laughs> PJ Washington, another easy one, seems to me, but I'm not the authority here. You are. Is he stealing the sauce? Not stealing. Is he smuggling the sauce across Canada border as well? 
Uh, no, he's not smuggling the sauce. So, you know, okay. he's, I don't think he's doing things on the level of Terry Rozier right now, but he is certainly doing it on both ends of the floor. He has caught the tough assignments, and I think he's done it admirably. And then on the offensive end of the floor, he's doing the one thing that you ask of him, which is, you know, the shot, the, the passes that LaMelo delivers to him, knock down those shots. He's been doing that consistently, so he is stanging. <laughs> New Stangins. I don't think we're going to get a clanging here. How about Mason Plumley? Stangin or clanging? Oh, Mason Plumley. The reverse yams have returned. Oh, thank goodness. It was like the one area of his game that had gone missing. And and they're back and they're back in full force. I think he hit like he, well, he had six dunks and I think half of them were of the reverse variety. I love it. He's hitting the rewind button on the VHS. It's beautiful. Mason Plumley has been playing extremely well. A double double machine and a high scoring double double machine. I mean, a high scoring relative to what Mason Plumley has been doing in the past. Points. I think yeah. he's been one of the big benefit, maybe the biggest beneficiary of of Lamelo's return. Uh, because he's getting some decent looks and and again less attention pulled his way when teams go to play zone to try to take away what Terry and Lamelo are doing it opens so much for Mason and to his credit I, I was watching some of the because I, I roll through the uh, the play by play to put some links into every Hornets box score and when they play away you know you're you're looking at the away broadcast and so I'm getting a chance to hear some of those. And people are like, wait a minute, I didn't know Mason could move like that. Like a center shouldn't be able to do some of the things that that he does. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, he's staying. And just in time, by the way, because <laughs> yep. I think some teams are going to be looking for a little bit of what Mason can provide. And, 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 and because of the – I think because of the passing, because of what he can do uh, with the pass and off the dribble, there's some teams that are going to be interested in, in getting Mason Plumley. And the reverse jam, also just as important. DSJ. Tough one here. Haven't seen him on the court as much because he's been injured, but you know, I think he's played enough to where maybe we can attempt to answer this question. What do you make of DSJ, whether he's staying or clanging? Without a question, the defense is is staying. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's just picking everyone. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to like put my binoculars on when I watch these steals that he makes and go and go, like, how does he do that? without fouling like consistently like he's not getting reach in fouls he is physical in a way that he doesn't draw the foul and I'm hoping that like DSJ and LaMelo can like put their heads together and maybe figure out a way to extend some of that non-fouling to LaMelo if they can kind of share some intel because it's really amazing what DSJ has been able to do and I think it has you know DSJ and DSJ's defense and LaMelo's playmaking, I think, are like 1 and 1A of why the Hornets are competing. Because they should be getting blown out by Indiana. They should be getting blown out by Toronto, but instead they're competing, and I think those are reasons why. But offensively, I think this is going to be our first clang in here because mm-hmm. he's literally clanging. Uh, and I don't have – maybe I have this. Have you ever shot that shot? I used to have oh, the what okay. kind of what kind of shot is that? So that's going to be the client. So yeah, oh. I mean he's not hitting three pointers at the rate that he was early in the season. That's unfortunate, but his defense is good enough to to deal with that. Okay, last one, and this one's the hardest one for me because I don't know how much has changed. Maybe you think there has been something that's changed here. Jalen McDaniels, we've seen him without Lamelo. We've seen him with Lamelo. Would you say that there has been a change with Jalen at all? And would you call that staying or clanging? 
No, I, I think that Jalen has been one of the more consistent presences on this team. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because the good is that what you expect him to do, he does. I think he stepped up the defense a little bit more in his role, taking over for Gordon Hayward. Uh, but the passing, his passing ability stands out to me as something that's like, oh man, you wonder if that's if that's workable. It, like if you can work on that in the offseason and, and become better at that as his career goes on because some of the passes that he makes are just not there. And when you stand in contrast to what Gordon does with the basketball in his hands in terms of his decision-making and just the like the ability to make the pass, right? I mean, it, it is about like, should I make this pass? But then once you decide to make the pass, making a good pass, those are two different things. And I don't think he's doing really either particularly well, but he has been, you know, consistent so, you know, for that, I'll, I'll give him a stang. Okay. Because not much That's on it. this roster or this team has been consistent. Uh, and and Jalen certainly has done that. And he's gotten praise from Clifford for, you know, being one of those players that you can trust to do the right thing. Yeah. And there's not much clanging when LaMelo comes back. So at least as far as what they were with LaMelo or without LaMelo, you're certainly staying in with LaMelo on the court way more so um, than you are without him. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen today. Make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game covers every game from across the association with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 